You are listening to ABS in Mind, a bi-weekly podcast bringing you the latest buzz from the asset-backed markets. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 16 of ABS in Mind, and I'm your host, Diana Sagan. We're recording this episode on the last day of April, which means we've had six or so weeks now to digest the wild market swings uh, that resulted from the COVID-19 spread. So today we'll try to give you all an update on what's going on in some of the securitized uh, sectors that we follow. For that, I have Larissa Patton, our esoterics expert. Larissa, what sectors are top of mind to you right now? Uh, all of them. <laughs> Uh, in all seriousness, I think between all of our ABS team members, we've been covering how the coronavirus outbreak and the subsequent shutdown have been impacting the major ABS sectors. I've personally been covering the subprime auto sector, which fared well through the last recession, but we're in unprecedented times now. So looking at how the consumer is going to have to prioritize payments now in these financially strained times going forward. And I've also been covering more esoteric markets like the whole business sector, which is primarily backed by restaurant franchise fees and the aircraft lease sector, and looking at how global traffic or a lack thereof uh, is impacting that sector. So I wanted to take advantage a little later of having our guests here today to ask some of those questions. Perfect, thank you. And we also have Al Yoon, our mortgage and RMBS expert. Al, same question to you. What are you paying attention to these days? Well, um, mostly uh, looking at anything uh, regarding residential credit and uh, basically you know, looking forward, I mean, how uh, investment managers uh, will deal with it. I mean, we've seen what's happened over the past month. It's been, uh, you know, quite chaotic out there. Um, and uh, interesting for this sector is, uh, you know, two months ago, I mean, nobody had, I mean, very few people had anything negative to say about it. The fundamentals were looking great. And uh, unlike the financial crisis, uh, um, uh, non-agency RMBS, especially, uh, they, you know, are sort of collateral damage this time instead of uh, being, um, you know, the source of, uh, or one of the sources of the problems, as it were, in the crisis, last crisis. So it'll be interesting to hear, hear how the uh, managers are navigating the waters there. Right. No, absolutely. Um, and I've been following some of the unsecured consumer markets uh, these days. You know, people still expect the worst um, is yet to come for the sector, given the unemployment rate just keeps um, going up and the delinquency rates are starting to, you know, kick in um, and the payments have been impaired for a while now. Um, but I'm very excited to introduce our guests for today who will help us dissect some of these um, issues. Um, Caroline Chen, Senior Vice President and Research Analyst and Income Research and Management. Caroline, thanks so much for joining. Sure, thanks for having me. And we also have Jean Tanizu, Deputy Global Head of Fixed Income at Columbia Threadneedle. Hi, Jean. Thank you for joining. Hi, thanks for having me. I wanted to kickstart by asking both of our guests the same question I asked my colleagues. Uh, what are some of the sectors uh, in the securitized markets or in the overall bond markets that you're paying attention to these days and uh, why? And Caroline, why don't we start with you right now for this? Sure. Um, I would say basically anywhere we see there's a market dislocation. As an analyst, I specifically focus on an agencies that could be Jumbo 2.0 and then QM. On the ABS side, I focus on, I focus more focus on the esoteric ABS that could be single family rental, 
um, the data center ABS, whole business, and aircraft ABS. I see. Thank you. And Jin, same question to you. What are you paying attention to these days? Yeah, so I would say as we rewind the clock back to March, um, there were several sectors in the market through which we saw the liquidity problems ripple in sequence. And I would say we first saw it with the short-term investment-grade corporate market, um, and we've seen some of the Fed liquidity facilities help there. I'd say second, we saw it in the municipal market, and the announcement of the municipal liquidity facility from the Fed has helped there. Um, and I would say the structured products market in general was kind of third, and in a way, um, I would say left behind in, in, in the sense that there certainly have been liquidity facilities that the Fed has aimed towards structured products, but we see a lot of areas where valuations have remained very depressed uh, and certainly cheap relative to historical standards, uh, but cheap for a reason as we understand the economic malaise that's going on. So as we look within structured products today, I would point out three areas that are of interest for us interest because there certainly are questions around cash flow sustainability, um, but because valuations uh, remain quite attractive. And, and the first would be non-agency mortgages, so on the residential side. And we've continued to be very surprised that the Fed has not included non-agency uh, AAA tranches in their mm -hmm. TELF or term asset-backed lending facility. Another would be marketplace lending. So a growing area of consumer finance and the asset-backed market, um, and I think it's, it's an area that probably isn't fully understood by a lot of segments of, of the market, and, and one that, that definitely has high yields, but is uh, expected to see some significant payment disruption like many other areas. And then the third would be um, specifically within commercial mortgage-backed securities, uh, looking at those that are secured by a single asset, single borrower, so what we call the SASB market. Um, where you know you might have a, a hotel or an office building that, for all intents and purposes, is vacant right now, uh, but we wouldn't think that would be the case forever. So, looking at those cash flows and how those might resume, and looking at what are some pretty depressed uh, prices in that in that market as well. So, for us, those three are particularly interesting in this market. And uh, if we could just stay with you for a minute, because you mentioned marketplace lending, which is uh, what I've been paying attention to, um, you know, for the past weeks, and. Through all of my conversations with investors, a lot of them uh, buying into the sector right now because of uh, how yields have uh, blown out. You know, I've had talks with investors telling me they get 30%, 40% yields on some of the sub nodes and, you know, 2x, 3x the yields on the senior nodes right now, like trading those bonds right now. I was just wondering, what are you, um, what, I guess, uh, which uh, area of the marketplace lending you guys are paying attention to? Are you more in the senior nodes or um, are you also buying into sub nodes these days? For us, it really depends on the structure of each particular deal. Uh, we will go down in the capital structure if we think we're well protected and particularly if we think credit enhancement will be building rapidly. You know, the, the marketplace lending segment of the market is one where we should expect some pretty meaningful delinquencies. And usually if we look back, delinquencies track almost one for one with changes in unemployment. So if we look at, for example, the CBO expecting that unemployment rises to 16%, well, that's a 12% rise from the approximately 4% unemployment rate about the beginning of the year. So if we see delinquencies rise by 12%, we need to look uh, pretty uh, closely through these structures. And it, it's true that you know, if you assume all bonds are going to return par, then many of those sub-notes are, are yielding 30 to 
Um, we would say that's probably not the case for all structures, but the nice thing about many of the marketplace lending structures is that they do delever quickly. So the on-time payment of a majority of the borrowers will will help build credit enhancement for the rest of the, the trust. So the, the short answer to your question is we, we, we are happy to go down uh, the capital structure if we think we're well protected, um, but it is very much deal by deal. Got it. Um, and do you um, separate between uh, prime and I guess more non-prime lenders? Um, do you believe any of those uh, perform better than the other for any reason? Well, it's definitely the case, but but even there, I think if you look within you know, some of the big uh, issuers, whether it be a you know a lending club or a Marlet or any of the um, you know the issuers that we see, they, there can be pretty significant differences in the um, the, the population, the borrower population, uh, and so we definitely look at those issues differently and try to look through that that population to really build a you know a cumulative net loss curve that we think will be applicable. Um, to that population and update that um, yeah, as frequently as we can as we get loan level statistics. Great. Got it. Um, all right. And uh, just the last question on the, uh, I guess, the marketplace uh, lending side. Um, when you're looking at the, you know, you mentioned that there's delinquencies are expected to rise, et cetera. Um, there's always been this conversation around MPL that it hasn't been tested through a downturn, and this is probably its number one test, and some people expect it not to come out as great on the other side. Just uh, your, uh, I guess, a high-level take on how this sector overall may perform through a downturn like, like this with both delinquencies and the companies themselves, too, because we've seen a lot of layoffs and um, some issuers basically stopped originating, et cetera. Yeah, that, I, I, we've heard that before, and, and we would challenge the idea that unsecured consumer lending has not been tested through cycles. We believe it has been tested through cycles, but certainly the format and the profile of the large lenders now is slightly different than it used to be. It used to be that you either used your credit card for unsecured lending or you walked into a brick-and-mortar uh, you know, entity and went, went into the building and, and got that loan. Now a lot of those loans, what we call marketplace lending, uh, can be done online. But the truth is this, you have the same collateral, collateral characteristics and a lot of the same information on those borrowers. So we think that our ability to analyze that is actually very uh, similar, and we can look back to see how that has performed, uh, how these borrower populations have performed not only through the financial crisis but through previous periods where we can analyze unsecured consumer lending uh, borrower behavior. So, you know, in general, I would say, um, we do have evidence to look at, um, but we also know that we're in a very severe economic downturn right now, one that is right. certainly mandated um, for, for good health reasons, but also one that uh, is going to be significant and, and still will put stress on these trusts. Any hopes that this uh, unsecured consumer sector will be included in TALF yet? Yeah, it hasn't been. Uh, I think it, it, it has good reason to be because it does directly benefit the consumer, um, but yeah, uh, the the one. If there's any optimism there, I would say it's because you know we can look day by day, and the Fed does continue to expand eligible criteria for the corporate purchase programs, for the municipal lending facility, um, for you know today we got more detail on the Main Street lending facility. So they they are open-minded to modify the acceptable collateral for a variety of their facilities. So it is certainly something that I think would be deemed possible at this point. Mm -hmm.
quick add one point here return, uh, regarding the marketplace lending. Because we recently see a new issuance in um, primary market. This is by a very problematic issuer. It's a brick motor consumer lending mm -hmm. um, branch. Um, it's a where established, the issuer has where established a tracker record, but it's also caught us by surprise how strong the market sentiment to this particular consumer um, loan asset class. The deal ends up, um, you know, um, upside and also the final pricing talk has been significantly tighter than uh, initial price talk. So I just want to add this new issue color here. I agree with all the points Jean just said. Um, if you have established a track record, you can have, uh, you know, enough data to, for analysts to do the work and there's structure benefits. I think a market sentiment for this asset type class is still very strong. That's a great point. And I think you're talking about the one main uh, deal that priced not so long ago. Um, it's just interesting because everybody keeps saying that on the secondary market, this uh, sector is still like a buyer's market because there is still this uncertainty of what's going to happen to the consumer. So um, I guess until the unemployment numbers and the remits from next month come in, people are still kind of selling at uh, oversized prices. Actually, that's a good segue, uh, Deanna, in terms of what I wanted to ask Jean about. Um, Jean, you, you, were, you mentioned on you know your introductory comments that uh, you see a lot of areas where values remain very depressed, and just wondering if you could discuss uh, you know where Columbia Threadneedle is uh, sort of you know nibbling. Where where I mean, where where do you see the opportunities, and you know where you've actually been like deploying capital? I thank you. Um, you know, for, for us, it, it's it's a little bit. Um, diverse. So, you know, we have definitely leaned a little bit to the to the corporate side, or I should say toward the end of, of March, we felt more comfortable leaning toward the corporate side of things, uh, probably less so on the structured product side. But as we have moved through April, and as I mentioned, I think the corporate market has healed more quickly than the structured products market. And I think some of the better opportunities actually exist in structured products. And more recently, we've, uh, we certainly have added a little bit to marketplace lending. Uh, that, that has been an area that, that we've found some value. Um, but I would, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, on the commercial mortgage backside, some of the, the single asset deals, especially as we're looking at some trophy, bar, trophy properties in some of the um, you know, individual hotels that could be in areas like Las Vegas, right on the you know, prime property on the Strip, uh, Waikiki Beach in Hawaii, some of the, the prime resorts uh, in the Bahamas, et cetera. You know, some of these are, are securitized by um, single asset commercial mortgage backed security deals. And you know there are investment grade tranches of these deals that we think are well covered um, from a, from a total equity perspective and credit enhancement deal that are still yielding you know around 10%. So you know for us that's that's been an area that you know recently has been interesting to us where we've been we've been adding in portfolios. Okay, thank you. And um, regarding the non-agency RMBS side, you mentioned that uh, you continue to be surprised that the Fed hasn't included. Uh, uh, at least the triple A's of uh, non-agencies and, and health. Um, do you have a view as to whether that could happen or is it more something that, uh, you know, if it does happen that, uh, you know, you'll sort of manage from there? I, I think it, I think it should happen. I think it's the lowest hanging fruit at this point as it relates to health. Um, but, you know, it, it hasn't been thus far. My guess is that the reason has to do with the fact that, you know, they have, been so involved in the agency mortgage-backed market that they may believe that they have provided significant uh, uh, sufficient support to the residential market 
Um, but I would say, you know, as it relates to both the non-agency market as well as probably additional support to mortgage servicers, um, that, you know, there are, there are areas where their additional involvement would be hugely beneficial economically uh, and also to the market. Okay, but I'm, what I'm getting at is, I mean, is anybody counting on this happening, do you think? I don't think so. I, I really don't. I mean, I think there's, there's some, you know, peripheral benefit of, you know, when you see AAA, you know, student loans and, and autos tightening in because of TELF, there is some, you know, peripheral benefit to other AAA assets and high-quality assets, including MBS. But I don't think anyone's making that investment decision now um, you know, to, to assume that, it's gonna, that they're going to change their guidelines. Okay, thank you. And uh, actually, Caroline, could you tell us uh, what your thoughts are on that uh, in terms of uh, um, like how you're managing your non-agency portfolios, uh, you know, with uh, the Fed uh, leaving um, AAAs out of it, its programs? So one area we would pay specific details on is looking at the um, early delinquency transition low rates. Um, I think one lesson we learned from a great financial crisis is if there's anything um, going to predict the future loss or default, it, you should focus on the current uh, roll rates to 30 days delinquencies in one particular month and also look at that particular 30-day bucket, how many are going to roll back to current and how many will stay at the 30 days bucket and how many are going to roll to 60 days next month. Um, so for those borrowers, they lose back from 30 days to back to current. That's a clear sign these borrowers are cured. But if those borrowers stay in that 30 days bucket, they tell you those borrowers are still struggling to make up for the payments. Versus borrower lose to 60 days, um, that tells you there's some deterioration in the performance going forward. So we compare deals by deals. Um, each you know issuer they have different collateral characteristics, um, different underwriting standards. So we monitor very closely um, all these low rates data, um, given all the, you know, predict the forbearance requests and um, unemployment rate may ultimately impact to consumer on the uh, performance on the housing sectors. I think in the near term, uh, we are still cautiously positive on the housing market. Um, Compared with other asset classes, I think structure-wise, most of the agency on BS deal structured today, especially for those bonds on top of the capital structure, they can withstand the severe housing downturn scenarios and prolonged unemployment rate, um, you know, environment. So we are still very um, positive um, on the AAA right now, uh, top of the capital structure with a um, you know, programmatic issuer and uh, performance, uh, establish the performance data. Okay, thank you. And I know it'll take another probably month or two to really you know, know these, what these roll rates are that you're talking of, but uh, you know, what have you seen uh, so far? Uh, I mean, remits have been just coming out in, uh, um, uh, for mortgage bonds. I mean, is there anything there that's been particularly you know, telling for the future? So given the remittance data reported today, there's always one month lag. Uh, we just received the April remittance data, um, but it's really reflecting in uh, March uh, collection period. I think lots of people, um, analysts, they expect the prepayment going to slow down. Um, so we do see some recent, like say 2020 non-QM vintages, we see the prepayments came significantly slower than the 18, 19 vintages. 
still in the low single digit or mid single digit area. Um, but for old vintages, I still see um, pay payments uh, in the ballpark, like, you know, for the non-QM, 20 to 30%, that's the area. For the Jumbo 2.0, um, if the deal was issued in first half of 2019, I still see some deals coming with a very uh, elevated prepayment speed north of 40%. But given the post-pandemic world, um, I think people will not only just focus on the prepayments, we will focus on the delinquency and the potential, like how the serious delinquency is going to lead to um, lost data. But so far, it's given you know the lag, one month lag behind you still see very limited data points to tell but as i mentioned we will be specifically focused on the early delinquency stage data okay thank you and uh, just uh, one more question uh, for jean before i uh, uh, let somebody else take a chance here um just uh you know we reporters on the call, we don't focus on CMBS too much, but we at DebtWire do. So I want to make sure I, I pay some attention to this uh, on the SASB stuff that you've been talking about, the SASB CMBS, um, yeah. you know, some, some of the hotel deals and whatnot, uh, maybe being uh, oversold. Can you be a little bit more uh, specific on, um, you know, what part of the capital structure you'd, 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 you'd you'd play in or like, you know, to the degree in which you're, you, you're stepping back into that market? Sure. I mean, we can, we can look at something like a Cosmo hotel in Las Vegas. So this is a, you know, a prime property that is, that is on the strip, you know, it was, it was built and, and uh, you know, kind of during the financial crisis essentially and, and um, purchased and, and operated by Blackstone uh, you know, post the, post the crisis. Um, they they borrowed uh, against that, and you know we've as we look at the uh, where we are in the capital structure, we think we have about uh, half a billion dollars below us in terms of additional borrowing and equity in the deal. Um, it is true also that it, you know when a casino shuts down, there's no revenues coming in, so you, we have to think about you know for for a period there there's going to be um, significant disruption. But we also have to think about the long term value and the fact that. You know, Vegas has already started to open some hotels that there will be a resumption of business and that, you know, the loan on this property and the incentives of, you know, a capital strong issuer uh, or, or sponsor like a Blackstone, you know, will be, will be strong. And so we look at, you know, there we've invested, you know, down to the, the double B area. Um, and even, even there, you know, what we see is that um, the, the, the yields that we can get on that paper are higher than what you can get on unsecured gaming paper um, by, by, the, by the operators, by, you know, talking to our, you know, high-yield corporate gaming experts, you know, where you could borrow on, you know, wh or where you could get, you know, Caesars or uh, MGM-type, you know, risk paper on an unsecured basis, that yield would be below what we could get on the secured uh, CMBS in a property like the Cosmopolitan. So, um, you know, that's an example of one where we're willing to go down in the capital structure because, you know, we do have structural subordination within that specific deal, um, but if we look at you know the, where we are relative to the overall value of the property, we think we're still well protected, um, and we have uh, you know a very attractive yield still on that property or on that asset. Okay, okay, great. That's uh, that's that's great to hear. Um, and uh, have the spreads uh, been coming back in that sector pretty good this month? Then, uh, it's certainly been positive returns this month. But you know, as we look across you know several of the the 
bonds in, in the single asset space. We still see, you know, investment grade bonds trading in the 80s and, you know, below investment grade bonds trading in the 60s, the 70s, and depending on the, the property. So um, I would say there's there's been positive price performance in the month of April, but if we think about where we are relative to you know, January or February, we're still orders of magnitude cheaper than that. Great, thank you. I think it's a great segue for uh, Larissa to hit up some esoteric points. Yeah, Caroline, um, you cover both whole business and, and aircraft lease ABS, two sectors backed by businesses that have really been hit hard by this global shutdown. I wanted to start with whole business. Franchise restaurants make up a large part of that market and restaurants have been closed now for a month, longer in some places, and those that are operating are relying only on takeout sales. So how is that sector performing and what are the concerns going forward given we're not going back to life as we knew it anytime soon? Sure. Um, with that being said, um, you know, we are in the earnings season right now. So on our side, we pay lots of attention. We follow all the uh, public issue, their earning calls. Um, I think what I learned from the um, few company earning calls is if it's a fast, um, quick service restaurant, the Q1 numbers certainly is negative. I, I mean, if you know they don't have a dining, they they close the dining options. Um, you know, the Q1 numbers is certainly negative. Um, but whether it's negative down like a five percent or twenty percent, that's a different impact to the cash flows. But we will pay particular attention to the late March to up to now, like uh, uh, early and mid April numbers. I think in the Quick service restaurants we see in general down 20 to 35 percent. For fast casual dining, they could down more severe, um, 65 to 85 percent. It's also depending on uh, geo locations. So on our side, we did a lot of stress testing cash flows. We assuming um, for the first quarter or se uh, second quarter and the third quarter, you're going to see significant downturn in the uh, cash flow collection. Then you kind of expect that the cash flow going to recover back um, to a base case, you know, a more optimistic case. You can recover back to the pre-COVID-19 scenarios, uh, you know, more severe or downturn case, you're assuming you're coming back to 50 and 70% of the original uh, corrections. Um, I think in all the stress case we run, um, we don't think the bond um, gonna have any principal loss, but of, of course the bond gonna extend. Uh, you assuming you know the issuer cannot come to market to refi the deal, but in the same time you may have some interest shortfall for a particular bond. Um, with that being said, some rating agencies has put um, quite a few names on downgrade watch. The timeline is about. The 90 days, um, they're gonna, you know, you don't have to wait until the bond had interest shot for a principal write down for rating agency to downgrade it. If they can see a persistent trend uh, for DSCR to declining, not even, you know, hit the trigger levels, they will downgrade the bond. So we particularly monitoring all the issues, liquidity profile, say the cash on hand versus, you know, they withdraw all the credit revolver from the corporate facilities versus the um, debt burden they're going to pay ABS investors, how many coverage we have there 
And are they actively reducing their DNA, uh, G&A expenses? Are they reducing their CapEx? Are they suspended um, their cash dividends? Are they terminated their stock repurchase program? So we want to have a good picture to, uh, to tell whether issue has enough cash liquidity at this critical moment. moment. At least they can you know, pay us, pay the bond uh, for the near future. They won't have any um, you know, cash run out uh, situation. So that's what we, we've been doing on our side. And are there any issuers that are posed to fare better than others, um, maybe because of their business model or the way that they operate or the strength of the corporate company? Is there anyone that you're expecting to do better in this time? Sure. There are some issuers, they don't have dining options. It's just the business model. They don't rely heavily on the dining options. Um, they have most of their sales come from takeout and delivery. So these type of issues will certainly do better than, you know, say casual dining. They had largely depending on the dining options to generate the business. But all the casual dining um, restaurants, they also pick up their delivery and the takeout orders. Uh, traditionally, those delivery and the takeout may account for 13 to 15 percent of the sales. Now we see this percentage also increase. If you follow the stock market yesterday, there's a strong rally on the casual dining segment and all the stock has been up like 20 to 30 percent. Um, so we see whole business ABS right now trades on tier. First tier, um, these are public listed companies, fast, um, fast quick service restaurant names. System-wide sales could be north of 10 billion. For these particular issuers, we see spread level already tightened to south of 400. Now you have second tier. In these groups, you, have, you could have private companies, non-restaurant names. They are not on S&P or Crow downgrade watch. These bonds are trading range bond 400 to 700. Then we have a third group. These are the tiers, um, you know, they've been putting on downgrade watch or already been downgrade. For these bonds, um, they're trading around the 1,000, 10% yield. Um, so I believe there's good relative opportunities all across three tiers, just depending on your risk uh, um, appetite. But the bigger question mark for investors, there's still lots of uncertainties around the U-shaped recovery. How long this U-shaped gonna you know, take? How long we will be in the bottom part? If it's just like say two or three quarters, I think most of the issuers in the whole business area, um, the liquidity profile is still relatively strong. They can withstand the temporary disruptions in, um, you know, from the business revenue side. But if we're not going to have a quick recovery on, um, you know, reason the reasonable timeline for the recovery, this is going to be a prolonged process. Um, then I think some weak names will have some issues. Okay. And then I wanted to switch to aircraft lease ABS. This is a sector that has had a couple restarts already post 9-11, post Great Recession, but it was really growing and becoming more popular with investors in the past couple of years. But a lot of that growth was coming from developing markets globally with people not flying and air traffic down. How is that impacting the airline's ability to make lease payments? So all the lease payments are held in high water. So, you know, the airline are liable for the lease payments anyway. 
Um, but with that being said, airlines, especially flag carrier, they get get lots of support from their government. Um, so we think airline gonna, you know, even with this loss of planes on the ground, the airline is still liable for uh, for the lease payment. The key issue is who's your aircraft lazor? How your lazor gonna manage your portfolio? What's the relationship with the lazor and the airline? If one airline they cannot make the lease payment, where your Lazor be actively engaged with the talk with the airline and all be able to move this aircraft to another airline who can honor the payment. So this is something uh, we focus on. It's more like Lazor side, uh, what kind of experience they have in managing this type of crisis. But there's lots of mass dislocation opportunities in the aircraft ABS right now. One interesting observation we made recently is there's an aircraft Lazor came to COP unsecured market. And this is a top 10 aircraft Lazor. They were able to raise bond on COP unsecured market with a box size almost four times over. And their bond was priced at 300 spread levels. If you look at the same type of aircraft Lazor, their bond trade in the um, ABS secondary at a 10% yield. And the, this is a single A, I mean, still a single A rated bond. So this is a clear disconnection between two different group of investors. And this is something um, we'd like to catch on and, you know, take the advantage of the market dislocation opportunities. Mm. And then I, what's the expectation going forward? Uh, you know, not for deals that have already been issued, but this was a growing sector, but I would imagine air traffic isn't going to pick up to where it was anytime soon. Um, so how is that going to impact the sector going forward? I think insurance volume going to go down uh, significantly this year. Uh, last year, aircraft, both aircraft and the whole business ABS, um, the insurance volume were around the nine billion. Um, I think... This year for aircraft particularly, I would imagine, um, you know, one bidding to three bidding. That's my best estimate. It could be even lower. Okay, great. Uh, I think that's a good place for, for me to wrap it up. I'll throw it back over to Didiana. Oh, actually, I think Al had a closing question. Well, there. I just wanted I just wanted to sort of uh, you know let the let the let our guests sort of uh, wrap it up. Um, one of the, one of the things I you know the one of the main points I think that I'm taking away from this is uh, uh, that security selection is actually uh, more important than ever in the structured finance markets, uh, you know, versus the days where uh, Fed policy and the hunt for yield seem to be floating all boats. Um, right now, uh, the, you know, the field is, uh, you know, there's some landmines out there, but there are some gems too, from what I gather. Um, but, uh, you know, Gene, if, if you have any closing thoughts on, um, on the markets and, uh, maybe something, you know, broader and, you know, what, you know, what Columbia Threadneedle thinks will happen with the economy this year and sort of just how deep, uh, a recession could be. Yeah, no, I, first of all, I appreciate your, your comment on security selection. I think it is more critical now than it has ever been. Uh, I would say you know, from a broader standpoint, the common thread in our research across structured products and corporates right now is trying to understand the liquidity profile uh, of these assets and these issuers to understand, you know, can, how, how far can we go? How long, how long of a shutdown can we sustain? If you think about the 
um, you know, expectation for, from an economic standpoint. And of course, this is evolving every day. But as we talk about it, you know, the most likely scenario for us is what we would consider to be a kind of a U-shaped recovery. And we would define a U-shaped recovery as taking up 10 quarters, um, so a you know, significant period of time, two and a half years, just to recover the level of economic output um, that you were that we were producing at the end of 2019. So this this t- does take a while, and there's not something where you know you see a V-shaped recovery like you would from you know a weather event like a hurricane. And I think we'll, the market is slowly grappling with that as we're realizing that when economies reopen, we don't turn things back on like a light switch. So I think that you know just is, is a is an example of you know where. Uh, security selection will become increasingly critical because not all regions will open at the same time. Not all aspects of the economy will open at the same time. So what you might see, you know, for example, in an auto loan trust could be very different than what you might see for for something that's sensitive to aircraft or airlines. So I, I think that is absolutely critical in this environment. I would, I would highlight that point you made. Okay, thank you. And Caroline, any closing thoughts from you? Yeah, um, I think we were just closely monitoring all the headlines, uh, macroeconomic data, and our strategy has always been the same, um, looking for the issue with ground track record, high quality collateral, um, you know, can help us to protect in the downturn scenario um, and looking for the structure, um, you know, mechanism, which can help investors navigate the situation better. Great. Thank you so much. Deanna? Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. I know we took uh, much more of your time than we intended, but this was a very uh, helpful uh, conversation. It gave a lot of color and a lot of assets. So thank you, uh, Jean and uh, Caroline and Alan, Larissa, and our uh, producer, Anthony and Christian, uh, for making this happen. And I'll see you all next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to ABS In Mind. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe to Deadwire and follow us on social media. Please like, share, and comment, and join us for our next episode soon.